You're listening to I Have Some Notes, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. Hey, Greg. Hey. I've got a movie pitch for you in two words. Awesome. Let me hear it. Dragon Apocalypse. Cool. I'm digging it. Except things happen 20 years later after the apocalypse has happened. No. Right, I have some notes. Welcome everyone to I Have Some Notes, the show where we scorch movies with reckless abandon and rebuild them from the ashes before us. Uh, I am your host, Liam Kreswick. I'm your other host, Greg Beaver. I am your third host, Scott C. Bourgeois. And uh, together today we are going to uh, notarize the 2002 film Reign of Fire, uh, where uh, dragons fight tanks uh, and Matthew McConaughey. Yes, that's Uh, all they fight. (laughs) <laughs> now, if we sound if we sound slightly different this time around, is because for the first time ever, uh, for I have some notes, we're recording all in separate places. Yeah. So this may be a little bit of a work in progress. So we apologize if we're working yeah, on we, things and getting, getting are, things to sound right. Yeah, we are all currently cowering in bunkers, uh, only able to communicate through this uh, uh, crude system of uh, ham radios. Yep. Uh, yeah. uh, for fear uh, of being burnt. Yeah, Doctor Bashir is listening to us over over a radio. <laughs> mm-hmm. so yeah, uh, Rain of Fire. Uh, it, it was uh, definitely um, uh, way worse than I remember it. Uh, <laughs> an interesting choice for sure. Um, I definitely think it definitely hits that uh, that sweet mediocre spot for me. Like it's abs- it's 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 not. It's got a killer premise. I think that really just doesn't execute in a fun or interesting way which is right in our wheelhouse for for attempting a rewrite yeah and uh rotten tomatoes would agree 42 percent from critics 49 from uh users i almost feel uh, like that's down the middle i almost almost feel like that's too harsh because the movie's like it's not it's not a turd it's not bad it's just not very good yeah i mean i know what's happening through yeah. the entire movie everything's clear it's just um it's just a little boring for <laughs> a dragon apocalypse movie yeah yeah very gray very very just dirty and grim. yeah you wouldn't think that you would need uh, more color in a post-apocalyptic movie but this one is really quite drab yeah and not in a charming way like the road yeah and it's it, it's maybe not um it's maybe not shot in a, in a particularly interesting way either, and that kind of hurts it too. That's a good point. That's fair. Yeah, it's it's an ambitious film that just uh, doesn't quite land. It doesn't stick the landing, and that's kind of a shame because again, like the elevator pitch, we were joking about it in our in our cold open, but the elevator pitch for the movie is solid. Dragon Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's uh, it's it's got a cool cast too. It's got Christian Bale, kind of before he was anyone. Uh, uh, Matthew McConaughey, uh, Gerard Butler, uh, and uh, coincidentally, a kid named uh, Jack Gleason, who goes on to be uh, um, Baratheon. 
Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Joffrey's in this film. Joffrey, yeah. Very jo- briefly, but he very is young Joffrey uh, cheers on that uh, Star Wars scene. Yeah. Um, but we're not here to hear about Game of Thrones. Actually, why don't we go to the trailer then uh, to hear? Let the movie speak for itself. together and one will lead them there's nothing magical about it they're made of flesh and blood you take out their heart you bring down the beast we found out where they started we're going to london vertical one up the plan is set 1600 yards closing fast the arsenal has been assembled get ready to rock and roll for each other and they've got one chance to take back their world. Matthew McConaughey, Christian Bale. Reign of Fire. For centuries, dragons have been hibernating beneath the streets of London, waiting patiently for the opportunity to scare the bejesus out of some 12-year-old kid. Enter Quinn Abercrombie, that 12-year-old Londoner with an irresponsible mother. This mother of the year is a construction site supervisor who allows her son to wander around the area completely unsupervised. Oh, the irony, Quinn disturbs a sleeping dragon and bad parenting leads to a fiery apocalypse. Decades later, Quinn leads a community of survivors just barely hanging on behind the walls of a refortified castle. All hope seems lost when a group of American soldiers roll up to the castle gates claiming to be dragon slayers. Their leader, Denton Van Zandt, reveals dragons have only one single male to propagate the entire species, and he is on a mission to kill it dead. Now Quinn and Van Zandt must lay aside their egos long enough to work together and defeat the father of all dragons. I was I was going to make a joke when I was writing that about Denton Van Zandt being a very stupid name, but... Mm-hmm. Now I'm not so sure. Like, if you guys, what do you guys come out on that? Is Denton Van Zandt oh, cool or dead? that's a cool, great name? Great name. Oh, it's <laughs> totally, it's totally an action hero name. Like, it's not yeah. realistic. There is no one on Earth actually named Denton Van Zandt. <laughs> uh, though, uh, in reading the IMDb trivia, the top, very first thing, the most, and there's really almost no interesting trivia for this movie. Oh, no. But um, one of the uh, other actors in the film, Alexander uh, Siddig, mm-hmm. mentioned that they McConaughey insisted on being called Van Zan at all times. Like, and not even in the method, like, <laughs> on the set, call me Van Zan. It's like, if you see me at the pub near where we shoot this, call me Van Zan. So. <laughs> That uh, seems like a weird wild. McConaughey thing to do, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I buy that. Well, that's, that's kind of an indictment on how I feel about his name, I guess. If McConaughey <laughs> feels like that's a very cool name, then uh, <laughs> then I think I'm uh, I'm out to lunch. Yeah. I mean, it's pre-McConaughey, McConaughey, so maybe I don't have too much to worry about. Yeah, this movie has kind of an embarrassment of riches when it comes to the cast. And mm-hmm. in a couple cases, like, you know how back in the Scorpion King episode we were talking about how... The Rock was kind of badly misused in that movie because the filmmakers didn't know they had The Rock. 
And I feel like that's kind of the case here. Like they have McConaughey, they have Bale, they have Gerard Butler, and they're kind of all misfiring with all three of them because I feel like they don't know that they have McConaughey and Christian Bale and Gerard Butler, if that makes sense. <laughs> because this don't is before forget- because this is before they all became big stars, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And don't forget the Borg Queen is in this movie. Oh yes. Yeah. And she's the mommy. She's uh, mm-hmm. Quentin's mom. Christian Bale is very like soft in this movie. I know it's like he's just his character so like so soft spoken and like not gentle because he fist fights a guy, but just like I was just like, man, you're really just like kind of a, a weeb. Like, <laughs> like he's I just you don't th- he, like when I think about Christian Bale movies, I don't think of him as this like really pacifist pushovery kind of guy. Yeah, uh, with like a very soft mustache too. His mustache looked like you know kissable like it was he looked very very soft i uh that's fair i think this movie is kind of like the the epitome of how americans see the world like the the europeans are um these weak feeble fellows cowering in castles um they're desperately in need of help and then the americans are these insanely muscle-bound macho douchebags you know yeah but like that cuts both ways because if there's the perception that the the uh the brits are all weedy survivors in need of help the americans come in like idiots like they are completely uh they're completely brash and full of bravado and like go in half cocked into a dangerous situation and mostly get themselves all murdered. So it's, it's a stereotype that's cutting both ways. Yeah. Yeah. My only, my only note about that is that I I don't feel like um, when they do lose pretty hard that uh, emotionally the movie pays much attention to it. Yeah. I have, I have, thoughts about that for later on in the absolutely in the podcast well, let's, uh, let's maybe way. since it's such a down the middle film maybe let's start with what we would keep like what did we like about this flick okay dragon apocalypse keeping that yeah uh-huh. premise, right premise works <laughs> keeping the premise that'd be that'd be and i have some notes first to just jettison yeah. the premise entirely no. um i think like there's no one in the cast that i think is bad so like i don't think there's anybody there that needs cut yeah I think that I thought the the Would special keep, effects though? pretty decent. I, I yeah. uh, the dragons look good. They they did a smart job. I mean, this is 2002, right? So they were they smartly had the dragons appear mostly at night or or you know in smoke and all that kind of stuff to help mask some of the uh, the problems that might have come up with uh, you know the computer animation at the time. So yeah. everything looked good and believable. Now, mind you, I was watching this uh, on DVD. Uh, so, so it was not a, uh, a nice 1080p copy. So maybe, um, higher resolution versions look much worse, but, uh, on a DVD, it looks fine. I was also watching it on Greg's DVD, so it, it did yeah. indeed look just fine. Yeah. Now, this, Scott, well, did you, it, did you manage to get through the ending particularly well or, or did it also like skip all over the place? Nope. Uh, it, we had absolutely no problems. Oh wow! Yeah, we had we had issues with ours, which 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 uh, immediately made me remember why DVDs suck. <laughs> I, and so that's my note. I would I would I would cut the DVD. <laughs> you get a new DVD. <laughs> if you're gonna watch this film, don't watch Greg's copy. It's yeah. one for one on successful plays. 
Um, hey, fifty percent record though—that's not too bad. Yeah, we actually. You know, it's a DVD, though, not I will a say we had to put on the subtitles because the dialogue. Like, I don't know if it was just the way our TV is set up or something, but the dialogue was really quiet compared to everything else. So there were yeah, a lot so of times where people were talking, and we just like that. that too. Yeah, and and I find that it varies wildly from one TV to the next, but uh, especially when I'm trying to watch it on a game console like Xbox or, or PlayStation, I find that it, there's a lot of problems with that. Yeah. And weirdly, it can actually vary from one Netflix film to the next, right? Like, So it's it's not even really app-dependent. Hmm. So something must be in, in the mix, in the way that they're mixed down on the, uh, on the, uh, the render side or whatever. But these are not keeps nor cuts. These are complaints no, about yeah, the DVDs. Are, are once again, we're into format talk. Complete uh, other uh, uh, deviations. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, Twice now we've I talked think, about the reliability of formats, which I think speaks to the uh, interestingness of this film. It really is like we'd almost yeah. rather talk about functionality of the ways we watch film than really good. It just, it's, yeah, it's pretty bland. Like even the landscape is just like gray. Like I would, I liked the bunker. I'd keep the caught, like the way they do the bunker was really kind of, you know, charming. Um, yeah. I, I, I like the idea that they were in the hold up castle. That was cool. Yeah. Um, I thought that the, um, uh, like, um, the 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 look of the interior of the castle was uh, was really neat. Like they had jerry rigged all these pipes everywhere and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. They managed to they managed to find a million candles. <laughs> so so they're they're quite lucky that they must they must that castle must have been near like a candle factory or something like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, them. you could say the same thing about uh, Van Zandt's uh, gas supply. Yeah, that was that was interesting, wasn't it? Yeah, they kind of hand waved <laughs> the fact that a helicopter I'll give requires you a tremendous <laughs> tremendous amount of fuel. Yes, and they it, yeah. you see when they when they when Van Zandt's armada rolls up. There's one truck with with barrels in them, which I assume is like that's the gas, like. But like they 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 make a point of saying that they're desperately low on fuel, and then that never comes up for the rest of the movie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, and then they and then they as I as I understand it, like they're in they're in Scotland, right? They they roll on from Scotland all the way down to London, which is. A pretty good distance, yep. especially mm-hmm. on gas guzzling uh, army vehicles and tanks. I mean, I can suspend disbelief in the understanding that they were scavenging fuel as they went, because there's probably mm-hmm. plenty of it just around. This isn't like Mad Max, but uh, yeah, the fact that the fact that they make a point of saying they're running low on fuel and then they just continue to do stuff unhindered by that stated limitation. Especially with, again, vehicles that require a great amount of fuel, like tanks and helicopters. <laughs> yeah. It could have been an interesting plot line, uh, plot point at the end of Act 2 or something like that. Like, maybe they had fuel reserves and then they all get exploded by the King Dragon. Could have added some extra tension, I suppose, to everything. Yeah. Yeah, any hard cuts? Anything that you were like, did not work, do not want? Can, yeah. I don't know that I I don't know that I love the the opening of the film. Uh, I don't know that I love that it took place in the past. There, and then there's the, and then there's a weird time skip. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I, I, it seems to me that um, I almost kind of would have liked to have had the the Dragon Apocalypse world sort of re- revealed to me slowly. We certainly could have gotten Christian Bale's backstory through some flashbacks and things like that as we learn more about him and, and what's what's driving him and how much is he misses his mommy or that he maybe uh-huh. he feels responsible for her death. You know, uh, but I don't know, having it having it all front loaded, it just felt it felt anticlimactic in a weird way. Yeah, that's that's I see that for sure. I feel that that's partly a problem with having the movie start in act three, though. And I mean, that's like we'll get into that again in the second (laughs) half, because that's kind of leading into one of my suggestions for a change. Yeah, by the sounds of it, you want to cut the first two thirds of the movie. (laughs) No, my problem is almost that they've tried to cram too much movie into under two hours. Mm. Yeah, it almost like this movie, this could have been like fairly easily like a trilogy if you, you know, if they, you know, if you spent, uh, uh, you could have spent an entire movie just on. Uh, dragons coming out of London, and, right? and as usual, Greg has given away <laughs> my change to the film. But hey, look, uh, man, some of these films' problems are pretty, they're pretty obvious. Yeah, but like, but no, I but fundamentally, I agree. Like, there's yeah. there's too much story that they're trying to tell in too abbreviated a space, and yeah. that makes everything feel a little rushed. It means that a lot of plot points and characters don't have time to breathe. And the movie could afford to be longer. Like, I think the premise is solid enough that people could have sat through another half hour and yeah. and had more time to see stuff happen. Yeah. Especially, I mean, I guess I was going to say, especially given the star power, people would sit an extra half hour. But I'm not so sure that's the, that would have been the case in 2002. Yeah. And McConaughey wasn't necessarily true. like a hot property. And, and Christian Bale, I, I think, was much more of an unknown. Yeah, because it was pre-Batman. Yeah, and it was like pre-Gerard Butler getting, uh, uh, you know, Olympus has fallen or whatever it was that he's doing mm-hmm. with three hundred. Yeah, with th- yeah, that's was it. Yeah, I wonder if it was. I guess it must have been before. Way before three hundred, yeah. and that's actually one of my cuts. Honestly, I just <laughs> cut Ger- Gerard Butler's character entirely. Like, no slight to Gerard Butler, but like that character was useless from beginning to end in every possible way. Like, yeah, he, I guess he's a little redundant because there are far more interesting relationships, uh, particularly the, the kid that Christian Bale saves, uh, yep. on, on the, on the dragon fury road and, and brings him to the castle or whatever. Like that, to, like they, they talk about that and I don't really think that the kid himself gets enough screen time to really, uh, make him, um, you know, a much more interesting character. He ends up being the leader, uh, of the, of the whole survivor group at the end. But, you know, you spend so little time with him. It's not, it's not satisfying. You're just like, all right, I guess he's a leader now. Well, yeah. and this kind of circles back to that original point because the, the, like Gerard Butler might have a more interesting character if we have a half hour more movie or, maybe another movie in which we get introduced to him earlier on. Uh, and same with the kid. Like we could have had more time developing the relationship with him and Christian Bale, but because they're trying to get the movie in under two hours, a lot of these character arcs 
are jettisoned and it leaves us with a bunch of characters who we're supposed to care about that they're in peril and in some cases die horribly but we we don't because we don't know them we don't have time to get to know them we only know that it's important that gerard butler died because he says he's quinn's best friend and quinn is sad that he explodes like yeah yeah but we don't we don't feel that gut punch because we didn't really know that guy yeah, and also, and he dies for no reason. Like he walks out the door and just is like snap, and I was like, oh, bye. What'd you die? What did you die for? What did you die to? There's, there's kind of a moment too where he kind of like almost kind of he because he, he doesn't have like a I'm I'm sacrificing myself for you kind of moment. He has a he has a oh I'm gonna go upstairs and see what's going on. Oh shit, yeah. kind of moment. And theoretically, like he had enough time to get back down those stairs and close that door, but yeah. he stands there. He stands there just. Holding a fire extinguisher. Yeah, like an <laughs> idiot, and looks back and is like, derp, and then explodes. Like, <laughs> Yeah, he's it's just like, it was the weirdest, like, you know, sacrifice scene I think I've ever seen. Yeah, in like, it's, total, it's totally the, the beat where, you know, the, the hero's friend does something heroic, and, and like they, takes com- the they completely whiff on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like that. I mean, that's kind of this movie in general. It's just like there's they 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 you know they have the opportunity like this this really. I mean, they, they were we've said this before, but the movie was kind of playing t-ball and they just whiffed on it. Yeah, that's a little bit. I find a lot of movies from this era are kind of like that. Like I find when we were talking about Wild Wild West too, and like some other stuff where it's just like people had the the money and the resources to make a shit ton of movies and so all sorts of crazy stuff was getting made and some of it was just made so like carelessly like just like cranked out uh and and that's what this feels like it feels like someone had a really good idea for a movie and was able to like hop on a stream of like a a, an era of people just cranking out mediocre movies i don't know yeah Yeah, that's like this era of of film is you know, there wasn't as much competition and like streaming wasn't a thing. That's a good, uh, yeah, yeah. So they were, so the, yeah, they were able to crank out a lot of movies because the, the appetite for going to the theater was much greater. So you did end up with a lot of, a lot of mediocre films in, in the, particularly in the, the late 90s and early 2000s. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to say something here and bear with me. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie would have been a direct to Netflix release in like the last five years oh of course like netflix yeah. would have heard this pitch thrown money at it and it would have been a forgettable netflix release it wouldn't have even been like an irishman or a wedding st- story it would have been just like one of the ones that you get suggested late at night because you happen to watch lord of the rings yeah and you've never heard yeah, of it and they, they and they release it with like almost no fanfare yeah but it like you'll see it in your feed and you're like okay this this looks like the kind of premise that I would dig and then yeah you start watching you're like oh yeah. damn it so these these kinds of movies that's the, do that's, the thing, oh. that's the thing i hate about netflix the most is like they like they tease me with all these great sci-fi premises and never execute on them yeah 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 these movies but also like a lot of people saw this movie like the few people i mentioned like oh my podcast we're doing we're doing rain of fire people are like i remember that movie like it's yeah. people 
It, it, it had eyes on it, you know? Yeah, we got more comments on this movie, way more comments, <laughs> than Iron Man 2, if you can believe it. Well, shit, because I think because you can sell it, right? Like, you go tanks versus yeah. dragons. Like, everyone's like, I'm there for it, you know? Needed fighter yeah. jets. Needed fighter jets versus dragons. <laughs> yeah, sure. Like, <laughs> if you're going to ignore the gasoline problem, you might as well have <laughs> fighter jets. Although, to be fair, if we, if we were doing a prequel movie... <clears throat> wait for the second half i'll talk about that then uh then we could have had fighter jets versus dragons oh, and it would have been awesome scott's got the big he's pulling out the big t's he's got oh, yeah. he's got a big idea going and coming up <laughs> in about 10 minutes well actually i, I know you said about uh, 10 minutes, but i feel like that actually that might be the the place to to, to go over into to, to our edits yeah let's see what we can do about uh shaping this thing up and seeing if it uh stands a chance out on the barren wastelands uh of this uh dragon hellscape uh that is hollywood Skirts of Fire is Edmonton's only multidisciplinary arts festival featuring and elevating the work of women. This year's festival is bigger than ever before, with venues in Old Strathcona, downtown Edmonton, and Alberta Avenue. Experience music, dance, drumming, and performance art all along Alberta Avenue, then head over to the Nook for an interdisciplinary performance featuring spoken word, a singer-songwriter, and flamenco. Skirts of Fire takes place February 27th to March 8th. Festival passes are on sale now for just $38. That will get you into the Blue Hour, one evening performance at the Station on Jasper, and as many by-donation events as you like. You can also buy tickets directly for the Blue Hour, and if you use the offer code PANEL5, you can get $5 off the regular price. Get your tickets today at skirtsafire.com. That's skirtsafire.com. Welcome back, everyone, to I Have Some Notes. We are giving a once-over to the film Reign of Fire with uh, Matthew McConaughey and Christian Bale, uh, the 2002 film about dragons fighting army guys and terrified European villagers uh, uh, just stored out in a castle, uh, trying not to get burnt, but also growing really ripe-looking tomatoes. Uh, Real, those those are some... They looked really good, but, uh, considering that there didn't appear to be any sunlight ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just clouds. It's always clouds. Yeah. Did the dragons scorch just... the sky a la The Matrix <laughs> when the machines yeah, scorch the sky? Considering how many plump, delicious tomatoes are in this film, its score on Rotten Tomatoes really doesn't check out. Ah. Uh, <laughs> I was like... Ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well played yes well or something like that um but yeah i think we uh we really covered uh what we what 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 we liked and what we didn't like about uh this particular film uh mostly that it was fairly uh uh dull uh for dre for such a solid cool premise but uh, uh greg and scott what would you what would you do to rewrite this movie or to fix up uh this the script or the editing or or any detail like that i think fundamentally this movie works as act three because the dragon apocalypse is the exciting part and it's already happened. And we come in after that exciting part has happened and just try to like fix it. And so like we, we were teasing in the first half that maybe this would work as a good as a part of a trilogy. And I think that that might be the case that we just need more time to meet these characters and live in this world. And so I think that the first movie needed to be the dragon apocalypse and that this needed to be the sequel. Sure. End of pitch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, 
Um, I, um, I don't know that I want more of this movie, though. I feel like they, they had two hours to get lots done, and I, I feel like they kind of more squandered it. Well, um, I feel like there's there's parts of this film that could be jettisoned if we had an earlier movie, like Quinn's introduction and uh, as a young boy. And some of the exposition could be cut down because we already know all of that because we saw dragons fighting fighter jets in the prequel movie. Uh, well, let me riff on that a little bit rather than, uh, making, uh, more films, um, that mm-hmm. could possibly bomb at the box office. Let's, uh, <laughs> let me, okay. So instead of having that whole, that whole intro, intro, part of the movie with the with uh, uh quinn uh, basically getting his mother killed by being irresponsible and you know traveling through tunnels and waking dragons and all that um uh, i i think it would be actually much more interesting if we start the movie uh in a post-apocalypse and not understand what had destroyed everything Mm-hmm. And we just spend some time with Quinn on, you know, in the in the castle and meeting all the primary characters. And, you know, there's there's obviously discussion about uh, an existential threat that they face. Um, but from an audience perspective, it isn't necessarily clear and it doesn't become clear until that f- um, first attack uh, on the uh, the tomato plants when that that family decides that they're going to uh, going to defy uh, Quinn and and uh, get the hell out of Dodge, and I and I think that would actually be kind of fun, and it also kind of like would would sort of um, skip the bit where you know as an audience member you're like oh you 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 went over all the cool parts you went over the dragons destroying everything. Um, yeah. And it also gives it an opportunity to, to be a bit more of a character piece off the off this top to just sort of explore who Quinn is and and his backstory and and what happened to him. I think can be revealed slowly um, throughout the the film is and, and you know we can get some uh, some flashbacks to uh, to what happened to him and what happened to his his mom and what happened to society. Uh, I I would I would agree. I I think the the slow no pun intended slow burn of finding out like i mean like it's like a king kong movie like you know it's king kong but like you wanted like have it teased out a bit um yeah i would very much agree uh, agree with that put the put the flashback later I, as a reveal and uh just show us this this awful world and then slowly reveal why it's like it is the other thing that i would would uh, would change is that um, I feel like the character of Van Zan, um, he's kind of, you know, he's a true believer. Um, he believes in his heart of hearts that he's a dragon slayer and that he has the ability to kill the, the king of all dragons. Right. And, and, you know, he, he fails at that, but it never, it never really feels like he's forced to come to terms with that failure. Um, because there's you know, no the, time. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the that's part of it. That's that's a fair assessment. He he he. We only really get um, Van Zandt showing back up in Scotland at the castle and just telling Quinn that he's right. And that's the ball. That's the the entire reckoning of 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 all his hubris is just 
one line and that is deeply unsatisfying um you know i I think if he was a much more uh rich character um i I think you can go one of two ways with it you could make him um richer by uh making him um care about his his um his people a bit more um show him as a bit of you know show his more uh softer more compassionate side a little bit um or you can make him um you know almost completely unlikable that he is he's uh, such a true believer that uh, and he believe and he's he believes in himself so much that um the the death of his of his um um underlings doesn't phase him too much or he continually puts those uh, people in in danger um, is sort of recklessly trying to meet his goals and and uh, and you know at, when we get to the end of the second act that is when he's his recklessness gets the better of him and he he finally loses and and the dragon kills everybody which is which is kind of what happens but it's just like he doesn't seem to have to have to face it at all and and I also I also feel like it it would give the um, the character of the helicopter pilot. I'm sorry, I don't remember the character's name in the movie. Um, Alex Jensen. Um, yeah, but she yeah, yeah. if if she were if she were sort of sort of at odds with Van Zandt through most of it, just trying trying to trying to temper his decision making or or warning him that he's he's you know uh, he's on the bleeding edge kind of thing. He's he's gonna he's gonna get everyone killed at some point. Um, if if um, you know like that would make her a much more rich character, I think, and all and also you know ostensibly put her in charge after Van Zandt is is completely defeated, and then maybe in the end Van Zandt can find some redemption uh, by sacrificing himself um, in order for them to get the shot that they need at the at the dragon's tummy or mouth or whatever to to blow him up. By the way, yeah. that's weird that dragons are not immune to fire. Yeah, how about that? I, I, I kind of <laughs> I kind of would have preferred them coming up with a non-fire-based solution to the giant fire monsters. But that's just me. Anyway. Um, no, but if you you can poison a poison frog. That's fair. That's true. Yeah, you can you can stab a porcupine. I think the way that they did it was um, you know, they they threw a bomb in You can maul a bear to his, death into his fire glands, right? So yeah. I think uh, I think that was okay. It made, it made sense. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'll buy it. Like maybe they're fireproof yeah. on the outside, not necessarily on the inside. Yeah, yeah. You don't ever see them. You know the the dragon being charred from the outside. So um, yeah, they maybe they just have yeah. fire retardant skin, but their their throat meat is not particularly fire retardant. Yeah. Um, back to the point on Van Zan and this kind of. Uh, I'm I'm going to continue trying to spin this off into multiple movies, by the way, because I think uh, I I would have pitched this as a Reign of Fire cinematic universe, and I would have had several movies taking place during the Dragon Apocalypse from various different angles, from the survivors with Quinn, from the soldiers with Van Zan, and then for the final movie, I would have them come together and solve the dragons once and for all. And that way we get more time with the survivors. We get a chance to meet them. We get a chance to see Quinn gathering his ragtag band together so that in the third act, we have come to care about these people. It means more when they sacrifice themselves or die. And the same with Van Zandt. We get to see him develop into this 
legendary dragon hunter guy. We get to see his successes. We get to see his troop develop these dragon hunting techniques. So it's all the more shocking and devastating when they're just wiped out by the king of all dragons in the third act. And it means more. And we get to see their characters come to the, the culmination of their arc. And it's not all just crammed into a single movie. And I think the premise is strong enough. And the idea of a dragon apocalypse is good enough that people might have sat through multiple movies, especially if the first one was pretty good. Yeah. Which, yeah, unfortunately, yeah, I, I, this one wasn't. <laughs> yeah, so, it sounds to me what you're describing is essentially uh, the Planet of the Apes remake. Kind of. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Except with yeah, I, I, I'm sorry, I can't. I can't say I, I, sh I share your perspective because it, it's a good premise, but I don't know if it's that like it. You you probably could stretch it out over that many, but also like <laughs> it, it it affords you this assumption that you're like like when people make a movie, they they're like like studios make especially a movie like this. They're just hoping to make their money back, and it wasn't necessarily a bomb. It did make uh, eighty two on a sixty million dollar budget, but like. You, assuming you get to make three of the same movie is like such a like a hindsight like we can say that in hindsight now oh, but yeah. like they only have they've only got the two hours and I, I think it's just like they could have earned a second movie if they hadn't squandered what was here first I don't know that you can plan to spread it out over three well if yeah, they had come I, I out think, I feel like Scott if you're if you're pitching like a, just almost an entirely different movie where the, where it's the the the, the intro but spread over t uh, you know two hours then that kind of certainly makes sense and then yeah if the movie is good enough then you're going to be able to, to make your your sequels well if we're if we're being realists about it I guess like, if we're being realists <laughs> about it the exciting part was the world versus dragons and the dragons win and that already and that's happened what you, <laughs> and you said that at the beginning but I actually I'm sorry, I started to like really hold your feet to the fire on this I disagree I think it's completely reasonable to start the movie with this thing that took place in the past. Lots of movies have an interesting thing that happened in the past. And, and yeah, obviously, like, global uh, dragon pandemic is, like, sounds pretty fun. But, like, I, st I think there's a story to be told in post-Dragon Apocalypse. Uh, I agree, and but I wanted be... to see the Dragon Apocalypse first. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a... <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I yeah you know um, but like that's I mean there but that's what the literally what the prequels are is like you think you wanted to see the cool thing that happened before the thing you like is <laughs> and, and then like, they oh, showed no. you and it's like oh wait it's a bunch of bureaucratic bullshit and moping uh, so like, <laughs> well here, here's the thing about this all idea, movies Scott, have a history that, that predate it sorry <laughs> yeah here's the thing about that this idea that I'm having I'm I'm having trouble grappling with what what the actual plot is of the of the movie you're you're imagining because okay so dragons let loose upon upon the world and then destroy everything and i'm just like i'm trying to find um i just i, just, I don't know where the human the human drama is Kay. in that just because i feel like Kay. i feel like that would be a lot of getting uh, you know, it would be horribly depressing for an action film. Well, yes. One thing. Number one, it's not an action film because the prequel movie is a disaster movie. It's okay. it's uh, it's the 2000 AD movie. It's the it's the Poseidon adventure. It's the core. It's the day after tomorrow. It's any movie that you can think of with a weather disaster, except replace weather with dragons. That's the that's the prequel okay. movie. <laughs> okay, I kind of like this because then there's then there's an opportunity to have those those sort of like 
the um the Roland Emmerich t- kind of like huge ensemble cast and like showing the government like how they're dealing with the dragons yes and, and yeah okay and, right. and you get I'm to a see a little bit more on board you get to see dragons destroying landmarks you get to see people getting incinerated <laughs> like that is that is the prequel movie that's the exciting prequel it's not an action movie it's a disaster movie and we're seeing people try to survive the disaster and then the sequel is the action movie where we go and kill some dragons that's that's the setup. So now it sounds like what you're describing is uh, Independence Day. Yes, Independence Day with <laughs> dragons. <laughs> right. Dragon Pendence yeah. Day. Well, then in this case, I think now you're throwing out the you're you're throwing out one premise in favor of another. Like you're going all in on dragon tanks and zero on this like story of survival. Uh, well, no, I disagree because one of the one of the through lines in any good disaster movie is the is the ragtag band that's either trying to stop the disaster or surviving the disaster. Like Deep Impact has some deeply human characters who are trying to survive an apocalypse that's about to happen, and you you get that in yeah. Independence Day, and you get that in uh, in the Day After Tomorrow, whether or not they're good movies, and. You could still have that here with Quinn and with his group coming together and them trying to survive this apocalypse that's spiraling out of control that the government can't get a handle on so that when we get to them in the second movie and they're huddled down in an old castle just trying to trying to eke out a minor existence like we've seen their the perils that have led them to this point. Yeah, yeah no, I, like I, I, can, I, I admit yeah, that yeah. it's a genre shift going into the second movie, no question. But I think that the Dragon Apocalypse doesn't need to be an action movie; it needs to be a disaster film. Okay, well, I we'll have to agree to disagree because I, I, I think parsing out the what happened before is the interesting thing in your, like, explaining what happened in the quote-unquote first movie throughout the second movie is what makes the se- the story of the second movie right, like, which is what this should have been. So I don't. I, I will have to. I see what you're saying, but can't say that I agree. No, that's fair. We're allowed to dissent. Yeah. <laughs> I will. I will make time. another this pitch. This is the first time I've made. <laughs> I, I will make another pitch at this juncture that I have made before on on a previous movie, and that is, what if this was a mini series rather than a single film? What if this was like on Netflix, twelve episodes? It would give us more time to experience the characters, and it would give us more time with everybody, and it would give the the story beats more time to breathe, and it would give us more time to learn about the past, even if we were just telling this story that happens later after the after my awesome disaster movie happens. <laughs> what what do you think I, about I that? Think, I think it's really I think it's really interesting to to imagine you know, what this could look like as a miniseries or uh, what it could look like as a, as a trilogy. Although I, I, I would say that it kind of betrays the concept of, of the podcast a little bit because (laughs) I think it's making things a little bit easier. You know, like you say, like it, it gives us a lot more time to, to, to flesh things out and stuff like that. And like in general, um, you know, most, most screenwriters don't have that luxury. Like they've got to make, They've got to make their movie, and if and if that movie uh, sinks or swims, it's on them. And I and I think that's kind of the uh, the interesting b- 
bit about trying to like rewrite these movies sometimes it's like it's like how do you how do you make it work especially if uh, uh, you know if it's if it's quite mediocre or maybe the the uh the concept isn't quite there or whatever so yeah yeah like that's that's my that's my objection to 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 imagining <laughs> this although i like i don't i don't i don't mean to say don't pitch that stuff i just yeah <laughs> i just like because it is interesting that's that's yeah. just like that's just how i feel about it because yeah like 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 screenwriting is hard and i just like and I, I think it's really interesting to to try and try and fit ourselves you know put ourselves in their shoes and and see if see if we can uh retool anything that uh, that they might have missed well and the yeah, main what reason can we why get I done keep... in two hours <laughs> the reason why i keep uh pitching making more movie or making it into a miniseries is because like the plot points are all there. Like, I feel like the story beats are all good. It's just that they, they, and I keep saying they don't have time to breathe. And that's the case. They, Mm -hmm. they've crammed so much story into such a limited amount of time. And the story that's there is, I would there, but I feel like most of the story is pretty good. And I feel like it could just be like, stretch it like taffy. And you'd be surprised at how much, how much more you could, you could get out of what's already there without I'm, necessarily I'm having sharpening to my anything. script scalpel right now to be like, no, I'm going to go right into this minute by minute and start finding space for you to breathe all you want. First one I'd cut would be the whole thing at the beginning when the people like, they're like, we're going to go get tomatoes. And he's like, don't go get tomatoes. And like, we're going to go get tomatoes. Those characters should have been anyone that we see or care about again later. Um, like the kid, like maybe that kid that he's like stepfathering, he's all headstrong and thinks he's a cocky leader and he knows what's best. So he's just going to go do it. We get more from him and we don't waste time with just random idiots running for tomatoes. Um, I, I think those people, their, their purpose is to, is to demonstrate, demonstrate the danger to the audience. Well, and not only that, it's also to demonstrate that things are getting dire. Like Quinn, sure, Quinn yeah. has a good setup, but like people are starting to get desperate and are starting to starve. Oh, and- for sure. I'm just saying a character we want to care about could be the person maybe making that mistake. Like I'm looking for if call me call me a conservative government. I'm looking for efficiencies here. Like how could we just <laughs> fold some of these on top of each other to get that room to breathe that we're looking no, for? No, that's that's not yeah, necessarily um, a bad idea. Like we could yeah, yeah. definitely have have made those characters more important. Yeah, I don't. Or, or yeah, I don't necessarily mind whether I got, I'll, I'll I'll jump on the on the dis- disagree bandwagon now and, <laughs> and say that I don't I don't uh, I don't necessarily uh, uh, hate where they are in the movie. I think they kind of um, serve their their purpose. Although um, they there's an interesting bit where you know they're the guy's son dies and. Um, we and you know it's it's his fault for going out there so so recklessly but we don't ever really get any more time with that family which because I there's no time like another, yeah that's true okay <laughs> yes fair enough yeah, but there's not like like the i think that's kind of another missed opportunity because that dynamic was really interesting so maybe uh liam maybe instead of gerard butler um, we have this guy kind of thing. Yeah, so you cut, you you cut Gerard Butler. And, That's what and, I'm talking about. And you make this guy more of, uh, you know, he instead of having a bunch of yes men behind the uh, behind the walls from that point on in the movie after this one guy rebels, you have this guy who's continually kind of a thorn 
in uh, in Quinn's side throughout the movie, um, and then we maybe we get a satisfying turn for him and, uh, towards the end. I'm going to only uh-huh. disagree with one part of this pitch, and that is that we don't get rid of Gerard Butler. We make that guy Gerard Butler. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's I think six and one half that's dozen the other. Totally yeah. fine. Yep. Yeah. Um, I would also, uh, I would like uh, to see, just this is just a general complaint I have with movies now that it's been pointed out to me, but uh, more women. Just in, <laughs> There's only yeah. one named character that's a woman. I, I'm pretty sure uh, there are exactly three women in this movie. Yeah. Uh, who aren't there's, necessarily just background fillers. Right. So there's the, the helicopter lady whose name I forget. There's, yep. Because, there's, because um, that's how memorable she is. There's the the daughter of the the guy who goes recklessly into the tomato field, right? Yep. Yep. And then the only other one... Oh, wait, no, the mom. So that's three, right? Yep. And the mom, yep. Yeah. I'm also looking at the, the only- cast list on Wikipedia, and yeah, there's only three women Boom. in this movie. Boom, Na- nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a, it's is, not a brag. It's there, not a, it's doesn't not- doesn't Gerard Butler have like, like a... Like a uh, oh, doesn't he? Isn't he getting out of bed with a woman at some point, and then we never see her again? Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah, she's yep. she's uh, just a background character. Yeah. Yeah. So we got two women with speaking roles. Well, I guess does a does the daughter have a speaking? I does she, have a line she may two? say one word at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty brutal. Yep. At make the Gerard just, Butler character or a woman like, or make the son character a woman. Fuck, make McCarthy McConaughey's character a woman. Uh, yeah. But. Yeah, that would have been fun. Uh, I disagree um, on that point if we're planning on keeping McConaughey and the helicopter pilot because then there's a better dichotomy if McConaughey is still there as the cocksure American leader and her mm-hmm. being more of a tempering force for him. Fair I think enough. that I think that works as a good dynamic. Though I'm I'm cool with gender flipping them. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think it should still be a dude and a lady. That's fair. Uh, this is also just a note I never got to earlier, but the the dr- the thing where they cut to the dragon's point of view. Yeah, it was weird. Do you remember? It, was, it happened like three times, and it just had like everything had like a weird shine on it. And then well, because uh, that was all yeah, weird. they're demonstrating. I not a. I complimented the visual effects earlier, but like that was one that did not particularly work. Well, wasn't that them yeah. trying to uh, demonstrate McConaughey's magic hour like weak point for them? Okay, where their yeah. their vision is wonky oh. during that particular twilight hour. Yeah, okay, so they say that, right? But because the movie is so gray all the time, like you never get a sense that like any of this is happening at dusk. Yep. Is that just me? No, nope, like, you're yeah. 100% correct. Yeah, stupid. Yeah. In fact, even the first time uh, McConaughey gets attacked by dragons, I'm like, well, why did you go pick a fight at not the magic hour? <laughs> Van <laughs> yeah, Zan, exactly. like, where did you go? <laughs> Yeah, because you, you, yeah. he specifically said that they, they see great in, in the middle of the night. Well, you know who doesn't see great in the middle of the night? You. Yeah. yeah. You dummy. Like, why'd you go? Yeah. <laughs> you dumb dummy. Yeah. <laughs> Anita was actually, because as usual, we were watching the movie together, and she was like, why did... I, it kind of broke her suspension of disbelief a little bit that an army went in and got decimated, and then like three people went and managed to kill the end boss. And I pointed out, well, that's just the difference between a battle and an assassination. <laughs> that's fair, yeah. Yeah, like the, an army attracts a lot of noise and attention, whereas three people sneaking in can get close to the bad guy and, you know, launch an explosive crossbow bolt down his throat. 
Yeah. I mean, uh, what's easier to to kill? You know, uh, uh, you know, a big old slug on the sidewalk or or a mosquito buzzing around. There's also some inconsistencies, uh, and this is I try not to like sci-fi nitpick too much, but the um, the fact that he's like they're like fish, they the the male comes in uh, inseminates them, and then later he pulls out a full embryo. Uh, like yeah there's there's like and i like <laughs> i i mean i don't know it seems but like that's just straight up like not how that biology okay. works like okay okay uh, you know why i i'm willing to bet that that was done like that um is probably someone somewhere someone said if they if they pull out uh you know uh an egg or whatever or uh like a what's supposed to be like a you know a, a yeah, like a unfertilized egg. Yeah, like no one will understand what that's supposed to be, right? So they mm-hmm. got so it's probably someone said uh, you should put a dragon embryo in there just so it's clear what it is when they're pulling it out. Yeah, yeah that seems like a production design sort of yeah. shortcut. Yeah. So I'll 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 forgive that. I'll forgive that. Although you're a hundred percent right, Liam, that that doesn't make sense. Yeah, it just like. And I really, I'd never try to be, like, the sci-fi nitpick guy, but, like, that one, I'm just like, you you established this clear biological function. Like, it'd be like, it's like photosynthesis, and then it's not photosynthesis at all. Like, like yeah. Or maybe they were just um, wrong, and there was more than one male dragon. Yeah. And they're all doomed. And they're all yeah. totally doomed. Yeah. They would have learned all this if they talked to the researcher from that first action movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he was the one guy telling them what was going on, and now he's dead. And now he got, yeah. And he got, <laughs> yeah if, only, if only they had talked to Brent Spiner, they would have. <laughs> <laughs> it would have totally been Brent Spiner. <laughs> yeah. Especially with the amount of Star Trek people already in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, well, should we uh, go to listener comments? Yeah, I feel like we might. I don't know that there's a. We found a final bow to put on this, but uh, definitely a lot. Uh, you know, a lot to work with. I think yeah. uh, perhaps our listeners can uh, shine a light on this. Uh, if you want to uh, get involved in uh, sharing your comments, please follow us on social media. I have some notes on all the places that you do that kind of a thing. Cinematological uh, says more dragons, more shirtless McConaughey, and more action, less moping. Also, gray and brown, uh, less gray and brown, more color. I would, uh, I would agree to all of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely to more shirtless McConaughey. He is jacked in this he, movie. He's fun. He's a fun character. I, I noticed a little character note. Uh, he has a full beard, and then he loses some men in that first encounter with the dragon, and he has shaved off his beard in the next scene. And it's understated, but I totally believe that he was growing out his beard for as long as he hadn't lost anyone. And he cut oh, it yeah, off. Like, and he cut it off when it, he lost some people. Six inches without incident. Yeah. No, and, and I believe that that was an understated little character quirk, yeah. and that I ah, picked up great. on it, and I was like, "Huh, that's kind of neat." And that's—I'll admit, I like—I like smart little little ticks like that. Sure, uh, yeah. And mm-hmm. it, it jumped out at me. So. Yeah. Uh, Nathan Kudos Martin McConaughey. says, "Nice choice." Yeah, yeah indeed. Uh, Nathan Martin says, uh, "Really, what have?" In- Proved, uh, really what would have improved this is The Rock because The Rock is perfect and I've never seen this movie. Now would they have <laughs> would they have badly mishandled The Rock the way they badly mishandled everyone else in this movie? Uh, I don't know. I mean he, got, he could have stuck The Rock in for McConaughey. I mean maybe not 2002 
the rock, but certainly current day rock. Oh, a hundred percent current day rock would have been the Van Zandt character. If we were remaking yeah. this yeah. movie today, the rock would be right in line to be playing Van Zandt. No question. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Craig says, my primary issue is that the concept is so cool that the whole movie seems really impatient to tell it. Uh, yeah, I agreed. Uh, in the right hands, it could have been an amazing trilogy. Yeah, See? That covers, See? A, man, uh, a man after your own heart, Scott. <laughs> uh, in the right hands, this could have been an amazing trilogy that covered the time from when the dragons are released with the final movie being the one we got. Uh, the casting was good. The script was decent in scope. Uh, I wish. I just wish it didn't feel like a demo for something bigger. There you go. Uh, if we can go ahead and ban Andrew Craig from the comments. Uh, from my own. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. That's that's a valid, valid suggestion. And just exactly precisely what Scott said. Yeah. Um, uh, Flix X Raid says this is such a cool movie, but I feel like when Matthew McConaughey shows up, the movie takes a turn and not for the better. Also, when Gerard Butler sacrifices himself, is such a good scene too. Oh, Flix X Raid, we were making fun of that scene. <laughs> um, the the, the non sacrifice sacrifice scene. I, I disagree with the McConaughey note, actually, because the the plot starts when McConaughey shows up. And if he doesn't, mm-hmm. then what motivation do Quinn and the survivors have to try to solve the dragon problem? Like, there needs to be yeah. an outside force that's showing up saying, we've got a solution, let's do this. Yeah, it's, it creates a really interesting dynamic, because they're just barely hanging on. And this, but they, you know, but they are this, all this on. all this hope shows up, and yet... They're co- they're afraid to to take it because of what it could mean for their for their uh, commune. Yeah, the, I I like the I like the inherent conflict uh, where they're pulled in two directions to two different dramatic poles. There, where on the one side they are surviving if just barely, and they could risk that to potentially stop the dragon scourge for all and you can see quinn struggling with it through much of the movie like because he doesn't want to jeopardize what they do have for the possibility of something better coming along and that's that's a very real uh that's a very real human conflict and it's quite interesting to to see it happen yeah yeah i agree agree. movie has smart things Uh, to say Mm-hmm. Just really, uh, so really impatient. Louise uh, Bourne. Uh, the Reign of Fire uh, succeeded in scaring the heck out of me. The setting for the film was beautiful, being in Ireland. The visual effects were great. The plot was not bad. Casting was good, but didn't care for McConaughey. What's with all the McConaughey hate? <laughs> What's with all the McConaughey hate? Whoa. No. Uh, yeah, definitely. I think Ireland is a beautiful place to set a movie, uh, but unfortunately, it's this not- was burnt, burnt <laughs> wasteland Ireland. <laughs> it's not just gray and gray and brown and gray. Yeah, interesting that the movie was set in 2020. I forgot to note that at the beginning. That oh yeah, was, it's it's set in 2020, which is just a weird coincidence. I noted that. Now as wait, well. I I said earlier that it was set in Scotland. Then I and I and I'm uh, am I wrong on that? Scotland uh, I, I'm, Ireland. Scotland Ireland, definitely yes. gets mentioned. And I mean, they're not going to walk to London from Ireland. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, Mark Joe says, it's been a while, but I feel like the first 10 minutes of that movie should have been the whole movie. Yes. Thank it's you. Like if they, it's like if they made an entire Planet of the Apes reboot trilogy into one film, what? but put all the exciting stuff into a single <laughs> montage at the beginning. <laughs> Mark, vindication. <and> me. <laughs> the people are with me. 
<laughs> I think, yeah, they kind of are. <laughs> so there's, a, there's a, like d- yeah, these, okay. uh, this, all these comments must have been just torture for Liam. <laughs> this is like, yeah, this was a lot of fun to read. Uh, read out loud because I I did not necessarily proof these before I started our disagreeing with Scott. <laughs> well, uh, if you want to get in on uh, completely contradicting my opinions, uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at I Have Some Notes. You can share your comments. We will read them uh, on the podcast, much like we did the folks above. Uh, so uh, please uh, participate in that way, and we will be more than happy to share your comments. Uh, yeah, I think that brings us to That's the end of the Rain of Fire episode. Up. Any any final yeah. words on Rain of Fire, gentlemen? Um, let's not watch it again. <laughs> yeah. Hey, let's... you're the one who owns it. It goes back <laughs> yeah, on you your got the shelf. DVD. <laughs> Go get your DVD <laughs> fixed up, pal. <laughs> oh, you can you can keep it. It's all right. It's yeah. all good. <laughs> <laughs> I've had my fill. Yeah, <laughs> sounds good. All right, well, uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at I Have Some Notes. You can find our podcast feed at IHaveSomeNotes.com. If you like the show, please consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes. It really does help us out. You can find all our episodes on the CKUA radio app. Download it from the Apple App Store. Remember to check out all of our sibling podcasts over on the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. We post new episodes every second week, so tune in two weeks from now when we'll have another film to discuss and notarize. Uh, thank you again for listening. I've been your, one of your hosts, Liam Kreswick. I'm Greg Beavert. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. Keep watching the skies. For dragons! Seems on the nose. <laughs> From <laughs> For Flying McConaughey? <laughs> there you go. Hey, it's Eric from Pop Cycle, the Pop Culture Connections podcast. On our show, we discuss just how incestuous pop culture really is, but in a really fun way. We take a chunk of culture, be it a movie, an actor, a song, a musician, or a book, and then by going as far away as possible by way of six degrees of separation, we end up right back where we started. It's a lot of fun. So if you're so inclined, take a listen. We're also part of the Alberta Podcast Network. So you can find us via albertapodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts.